This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. Well, my friends, the chickens have finally come home to roost for Teflon Don. And nearly 4,000 legal proceedings over the course of his life, two impeachment and countless investigations, the mango Mussolini has found himself in the vice grip of the Justice Department, indicted on seven charges that could land Trump in prison for the rest of his life if found guilty. The charges include violations of the Espionage Act for the willful retention of government secrets. This likely stemming from the now infamous Iran audio tape, Donald also faces a litany of obstruction of justice charges. Investigators assert that Trump ordered his teams to hide boxes of documents after the government delivered a subpoena in May of 2022. I mean, this is just one example of many in how he interfered with the investigation. Now, for those that understand the psychology of Donald Trump, he does not believe in obstruction of justice. In his mind, that is protection of Donald Trump. He will do anything and everything to thwart an investigation that could land him behind bars. In fact, many of the charges he is facing have more to do with ego than actual discovery. Trump cannot stop running his mouth and the tape recorders captured it all. Trump will be arraigned on Tuesday in Miami, but the games have already begun with Trump's chorus of sycophants and apologists uttering the same line of bullshit to reporters. That this indictment is, and I quote, a weaponization of the Justice Department. Trump himself is calling it the boxes hoax and shouting to all who will listen that the investigation is election interference and that he has done nothing wrong. Of course, he's never done anything wrong. Just listen to him over the years. Trump's lead attorney in the case is the fucking hilariously named Jim Trusty, who looks like a personal injury attorney you hire after getting popped for a DUI. I mean, it's like better call Saul. I mean, this guy took the case after two more of Trump's legal team members quit just moments after the indictment dropped. Trusty went on Fox News on Friday to preview his likely defense, saying that his client is being treated differently than past presidents who commingle personal and presidential records upon leaving office. You know what I gotta say to that, Trusty? Boo fucking who? Cry me a river, asshole. It ain't working. And as we used to say in Otisville, yeah, you got issues, I got tissues. He suggested that it's understandable that returning documents can take considerable time. Now, this line of defense suggests that Trump was just holding on to some letters and keepsakes from his time in office and, well, just fucking oops, maybe he kept a few things he shouldn't have. But it was all an accident and he didn't know so, so what the fuck's the big deal? Some of those keepsakes include classified information, classified information about covert actions and other materials that could have real serious grave consequences for our national security. On top of that was Trump's correspondence with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. The former president treasured his relationship with the strongman and likened it, yeah, get a load of this shit, to a love affair. I mean this after threatening him with fire and fury. 
Sounds like a chapter 50 of Shades of Grey and really not a correspondence between world leaders. I mean, these love letters could cost Trump bigly, as the former president liked to say. Now, according to the Washington Post, former Trump aide Stephanie Grisham said that Trump was beyond proud of the Kim letters and showed them to people all the time. Now, Donald went way beyond bragging, though. He took them with him when he left the White House, and he seemed to know that they were highly sensitive. The Post reported, but again, he went way beyond bragging, though. I mean, Donald took them with him when he left the White House and seemed to know that they were highly sensitive, the Post reported. But again, this is vintage Trump and the hallmark of a spoiled fucking child. In his mind, those letters were his. He wrote them. He received them. So, they belong to him. And after Trump split from the White House, the National Archives and Records Administration noticed that a shitload of documents were missing from his records, including those very letters. For more than a year, the agency tried to get them back, and Trump eventually handed over 15 boxes. Then, the situation spiraled, leading to where we are today. And once again, it's not the crime, but the cover-up that gets you in real trouble. And Trump, well, he just can't fucking simply help himself. Trump's indictment is also a test of Attorney General Merrick Garland. He has taken heaps of scorn, including from yours truly, from the left for the cautious approach that he has taken towards prosecuting the former president ever since the January 6th insurrection. The outcry for Trump to face accountability was loud and almost ceaseless from all corners, and again, by me included. His caution, though, has proven wise. He knew that the indictment of a former president, who is once again running for the presidency against the administration who is charging him with a crime, could prove to be perilous. I mean, let's be real, Trump's army of apologists and sycophants have wasted no time in politicizing the charges against the former president. So take this tweet from House Speaker and imbecilic weakling Kevin McCarthy, and I quote, Today is indeed a dark day for the United States of America. It is unconscionable for a president to indict the leading candidate opposing him. Joe Biden kept classified documents for decades. I and every American who believe in the rule of law stand with President Trump against this grave injustice. House Republicans will hold this brazen weaponization of power accountable. Now creepy Missouri Josh Hawley added his fucking two cents as well. And he said, if the president in power can just jail his political opponents, which is what Joe Biden is trying to do, then we don't have a republic anymore. The strategy here is very easy to see. First, play down the nature of the crime itself. Trump took a few keepsakes with him after his presidency. So what? Didn't Biden and Obama do the very same thing? You're just picking on Trump again. Next, Trump and his allies will try and shift the conversation away from the charges towards government overreach. Trump led the charge with this post from his Truth Social account just after the indictment dropped. And I quote, I never thought it possible that such a thing could happen to a former president of the United States who received 
far more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country and is currently leading by far all candidates, both Democrat and Republican, in polls of the 2024 presidential election, Trump put out on that untruth social media platform. I am an innocent man. Well, sure you are, buddy. I mean, now it's up to a jury of your peers to decide that. And rest assured, I don't think you're in the right here. It's no secret that things in America are chaotic right now. So let's talk about the importance of your well-being and comfort during these challenging times. My friends, I'd like to introduce you to GhostBed, the mattress that helps you get the rest and tranquility that you've been craving. A trusted name in the industry for over two decades, GhostBed is a family-owned business that's perfected the art of sleep, providing you unparalleled comfort and support with top-notch patented and signature materials. All of GhostBed's mattresses are designed with cutting-edge technology that supports your body, that keeps you cool, and helps you wake up refreshed and ready to tackle the day. And here's the best part. GhostBed offers free shipping, a 101-night mattress sleep trial, and most orders ship within 24 hours. So it's a risk-free opportunity to experience the ultimate sleep experience and get better sleep quickly. So head right now to ghostbed.com and for a limited time, use code MEACULPA to get 40% off your purchase site-wide. Again, head to ghostbed.com right now and for a limited time, use code MEACULPA for 40% off your purchase site-wide. And now for the main event. My next guest on Maya Culpa is Reed Galen, co-founder of The Lincoln Project and an independent political strategist. A veteran public affairs and political commentator with more than 20 years experience, Reed has been involved in politics, government, and business at the absolute highest levels. Galen has spent more than a decade advising Fortune 50, 100, and 1,000 companies in need of high-level counsel in the fields of strategic communications, procurement, and legislation. In addition to his private sector work, Reed has managed several high-profile ballot measure campaigns in the states of California, Texas, and Colorado. Before moving to the private sector, Reed served as deputy campaign manager for John McCain's presidential campaign and deputy campaign manager for Arnold Schwarzenegger's successful 2006 re-election campaign. Reed also worked on both the President George W. Bush's campaigns, and he served the Bush administration at both the U.S. Department of the Treasury and Department of Homeland Security. As a founder of the Lincoln Project, Galen has led the group's vision and created some of its most memorable attacks against Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, as well as others. He is now singly focused on not only ridding the nation of Trump, but punishing those willful collaborators who think that they can sit in the middle rather than use this indictment to finally rid the party of this disease. I mean, this is going to be an incredible conversation in light of what's going on. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Reed, 
Let's start with, obviously, what is on everybody's mind at the moment. That's the Trump indictment. So this is obviously big news yet again, right? Everybody's been on what they call indictment watch. Based on what you know and what you've heard from others, how good is this case against Trump? Does Jack Smith have the goods? Well, that's a good question, Michael. You have you have unfortunately suffered through a federal indictment and and prosecution. I would say this is that knowing as much as I know about how this stuff works, I cannot imagine that Jack Smith, the DOJ uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland or anybody would take this to an indictment and ultimately to trial until and unless they thought they had Trump uh, dead to rights uh, on a conviction. Now, of course, as you know, they moved it to South Florida. There's jury pool. There's pre-trial motions. Everything that you know far more about than I do. But I would say that they had to make a decision, a go no go decision. And it seems to me that they would not have done that, but for the idea that they thought they could secure a conviction. Right. So let's let's unpack that for a second. Everybody's now panicking. Oh my God! Right by moving the case to the Southern District of Miami, which, by the way, is the same exact courthouse where I'm dealing with that frivolous $500 million lawsuit that he filed against me, that they're concerned that the jury pool is going to be tainted into Donald's favor. And I turn around and I have this conversation with a half a dozen people over the course of the last 24 hours. And my comment to them is, why, do you think that there aren't MAGA supporters here in New York, for example? Do you think that there aren't MAGA supporters in Washington, D.C.? Remember, you only need one in order right, to create a hung jury here. But I'm 100% certain that whoever the judge may be, that this judge will handle this case accordingly. And if, in fact, that there is a holdout juror, there are ways of getting past that including just redoing the trial again. Right. Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, the the other part, too, again, as you know, uh, as, as an officer of the court, Michael, is how do you find anybody that's never heard of the guy? <laughs> or is right. impartial? Or heard of this case. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, he is... You know, if he's not the most recognizable face on the planet, you know, he's second to Arnold Schwarzenegger or somebody, right? Like no, he's, uh, maybe he, maybe Vladimir Putin. Okay, Vladimir Putin. But the point is, is that, you know, everybody likely will have an opinion of him. So the jury process, I assume, will be, uh, you know, long drawn out, uh, you know, and, and I'm sure that the feds have every expert they can find. And I'm sure the Trump campaign will too, or the Trump defense will too. Um, So yeah, look, I think that there's always risk, right? There's no such thing as a zero risk deal in life. Um, But I I think that there was a a reason why they chose the Southern District of Florida uh, over Washington, D.C. or New York, as you mentioned. Well, I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that if he, if the case was brought in Washington, D.C., There would automatically be a motion, right, Uh, claiming improper jurisdiction. It would also give him a guaranteed appealable right that they were forum shopping, which is why they went to D.C. as opposed to Florida. And Florida really is, in my opinion, the proper jurisdiction, and that's where the crime took place. Right, exactly. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, 
there's the there's the legal aspect of this, and then there's the political and the optical aspect of it, which, again, the DOJ can say that they're not concerned about, but they are, which is they've got to do every one of these things by the book. Um, they don't ever want to say that they were, uh, to your point, doing anything to put their fingers on the scale of justice. Um, and, and I think that's the right thing to do. And, you know, look, the Southern District of, of Florida... Is there are there a lot of Trump supporters there? Yeah, but there's millions and millions of people, 12 of whom, right, will ultimately sit in judgment of the former president. And, you know, if if they have all the goods that, you know, we've heard that they may have on him vis-a-vis what he said on tape, who else has testified? You know, it might be, Michael, that the hung jury could be the best outcome for them. Right. And don't believe that they wouldn't take that as a victory. Oh, by the way, he would definitely take that as a victory. And more importantly, he would probably fundraise off it because minutes. Actually, what I heard, and I don't know this to be factually accurate, but it has been reported that Donald created the video that's running around there that this is an unfair indictment, even before he received notification that the indictment had already been um, approved. Right. Well, and that's that's what you saw in the New York Times article last night by Maggie Haberman and Jonathan Swan was they had already prepared for this. They had prepared an, a video that I think they had released a couple of days earlier, basically comparing uh, the federal prosecutor, Jack Smith, to some sort of wolf. Right. Um, you know, uh, out to get Trump and MAGA. Um, but also that, you know, the idea that they have a plan to go and attack the prosecution publicly, um, which, again, you know, is is unique in the fact that it's Donald Trump, but also, you know, not unusual. Right. He's attacked federal judges. Uh, I read somewhere, Michael, you probably know this better than I do. He's been part of 4000 court cases or something in the last however many decades. Um, so, you know, he's absolutely willing able and ready to use, you know, such as it is the court of public opinion, but certainly the court of his followers uh, to do what they can to make life really terrible uh, to the extent they can for anybody involved in this case. Well, not just this case, every case. Let's not forget the obstruction of justice that they should have charged him with when he started attacking witnesses, myself included, uh, when he started attacking uh, District Attorney Alvin Bragg, when he started attacking the prosecutors at uh, at Danny, at the District Attorney of New York's office. I mean, he does this. Why do you think that he filed that $500 million lawsuit against me, right? This is right. witness tampering. It's obstruction of justice. He did this even even as I was going to be testifying publicly before the House Oversight Committee. He sent in his minions like, you know, Matt Gates and others to start there and try to, you know, muck the water to shit it all up. But then again, that's who he is. He will make motion after motion after motion in order to delay this because his only his only salvage is if, in fact, he's able to win the 2024 presidential election. And that's as it relates to this. Remember, he is now the first president, former president, in U.S. history to not only be indicted for state charges, but now he's also the very first former president ever in history to be indicted on federal charges. The federal pardon that he could potentially give himself if, in fact, that he was lucky enough to win 
would not affect the district attorney's case because that's a state charge. And the only person that, of course, could pardon on a state charge is the governor. And I don't see that happening here. No, and, and we also, of course, still have Fulton County, Georgia, Atlanta, right? The, the, the location uh, or the destination of the, you know, the perfect phone call between him, the president, uh, Donald Trump, Cleta Mitchell, and Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state of Georgia, where he just needed 11,308 votes, right? And um, I think and again, it was 11,780 to be exact. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Fannie Willis is, you know, we should assume that something will be coming out in the next six to eight weeks, sometime before Labor Day, Michael, uh, and yet another state charge. And I will say this is that, you know, we here's what I would ask people to look for, right? Which is with Bragg and Willis, he will absolutely invoke racial language and racial overtones about why these particular prosecutors are doing this. With the feds, it's going to be all about the deep state. The deep state's always been out to get him. It's always been part of the, their, their plan, right? The great cabal's plan to get him because, you know, he won't back down to the, to the swamp or the woke culture of Washington, D.C. And we know it's all BS, right? I mean, you know, what it could be is that, you know, finally he got caught, um, you know, doing something he shouldn't have done. And, you know, federal prosecutors, the FBI, they're very, very good at what they do. Um, you know, you never want to be the target of it, as you know, Michael. Um, and now, uh, you know, he's got to make an enemy out of anyone and everyone who's involved. I think the danger is now is what he invokes in his most staunch and rabid supporters, right? Because I think we're now in a, in a moment of, of maximum pressure here. As you know, the one thing he cannot abide probably is the idea of actually being incarcerated. Yeah, well, and I think he knows that he won't be incarcerated um, the way you would be or the way I was no. in a facility. No, I mean, it's that more, would, no, it it's more like more Pablo Escobar. Very, yeah, it would be a very significant home confinement scenario right. where he would not be permitted, you know, to have uh, access to people and to, uh, you know, his phone would be recorded like everybody else. Um, you know, it would, there would be a lot of concessions made and that's right. And rightfully so. It should, my biggest concern would be that they would consider putting him into an institution because as stupid as he is, and I tell this and I say this respectfully, he's fucking stupid, all right? His biggest problem is his mouth. And there is nothing of national security that is in his head that would not be for sale for a bag of fucking tuna or for a, a book of stamps. He would sell any and all information. He would just randomly give away shit. And let's not forget, for four years, even though it may not be current, for four years, he was debriefed, right? Whether it was daily, every two days, every five days, it makes no difference. There are national security secrets in that loony's head that he would be willing to give away. But I want to just go back to this for a moment, because Trump mm -hmm. yesterday was charged with seven federal criminal counts, including conspiracy to obstruct justice, making false statements, and unauthorized retention of national security documents. Now, you, you said something which is absolutely 100% accurate. In the case, for example, of Tish James and DA um, Alvin Bragg, he automatically goes racial on that because both of them are black. 
So he automatically goes racial on them. But you're right, because what he's going to do now in this case, especially because Jack Smith is white, he's going to go ahead and he's going to call the deep state out. He's going to talk about the weaponization by the Biden administration, which is I find so comical. If you saw my book, my, my recent book called Revenge, how Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. What did Donald do? He hijacked my book from, you know, that came that was finished about a year ago. He hijacks the term and he deflects. Oh, yeah, because he knows that that's what he did. So feeling is, well, if I did that to, you know, in my administration, well, clearly the Biden administration must be doing the same thing. So this asshole puts out a statement yesterday on his untruth social platform. And here's what he says. The corrupt Biden administration has informed my attorneys that I have been indicted seemingly over the boxes hoax. It's got to give everything a name. Even though Joe Biden has 1,850 boxes at the University of Delaware, additional boxes in Chinatown, D.C., with even more boxes at the University of Pennsylvania, and documents strewn all over his garage floor where he parks his Corvette, and which is secured by only a garage door that is paper thin and open much of the time. I'll tell you what, Reed. Unpack that shit for us, would you? Well, look, I mean, there's no shortage of uh, imagination there, certainly. But you you said something about deflection, but it's also projection. And I think you're absolutely right, which is um, he's never done anything wrong in his life. Um, and if it's being done to me, um, I'm going to make sure that everybody thinks, well, they're only doing this to, you know, and you saw this from some of his congressional allies, too. We were about to, you know, really spill the beans on the Biden crime family, as they call it, whether or not it's the president himself or uh, Hunter Biden, his son. Right. They've taken millions of dollars illegally, yada, yada, yada. They're now scaring all these witnesses away. Right. And, and so now you've had this. You know, you, now the Bidens are suddenly some great mafia family who's able to scare witnesses right. away from, you know, congressional testimony when I more likely it seems to me these people are like, I don't want to do this because I don't have anything to tell you. <clears throat> or maybe they heard what these people had to say. It wasn't anything. And the Republicans are just like, oh, you know what? We can't do this. I mean, they've been at this now as far as Biden's concerned, just real quick, Michael, for like six months and they haven't found anything because there's really not that much to find. I mean, whatever you want to say about Joe Biden politically, if you like him or you don't like him, uh, you know, he's a he's an uh, he's an up and up guy. Right. This is not a guy who spends a lot of time sneaking around. Um, and, you know, the the whole idea of painting the image of the the garage door with the red Corvette in it and, you know, just national security secrets, you know, stuck under the tires uh, is is the way that he does things. But again, we know what we know, which is, you know, there were boxes and boxes of this stuff. It was someone in the Mar-a-Lago Mar staff, right? It, it could have been an agent. It could have been a, a household staff who saw this stuff and said, you know what? This stuff isn't supposed to be here. The FBI went in, was that August of 21 now or 22? Mm -hmm. um, and, and found the stuff. And, you know, this is the other part too, Michael, which we shouldn't under, you know, we shouldn't sweep aside was he told a whole bunch of people that there wasn't anything there and a whole bunch of people signed their names to documents that said there wasn't anything else to find. Right. So, of course, 
uh, as my partner in crime, Rick Wilson, says, you know, everything Trump touches dies. So this will also go downstream, which is whether or not it's Meadows or anybody else. Right. There's a whole bunch of people on the hook here for his bad behavior. And, you know, if they have to avoid if they have to flip to avoid jail time, they're going to they're not going to the print the pen for him. Yeah. Welcome to the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In the 1980s, they were the largest financial markets in the world. This guy made two million, this guy made three million, this guy made four million. It was like an ATM machine for uh, traders. Traders were making money hand over fist, and they thought it was their own little secret. Four FBI men wearing wires infiltrated the Board of Trade and the Mercantile Exchange. This lavish and daring undercover operation was the most expensive in the Bureau's history. But was it successful? It all depends who you ask. The FBI used extraordinary means to detect extraordinary fraud. They were down there to expose a big cheating scandal, did they? I don't think they did. From Entropy Media, this is Brokers, Bagmen, and Moles. Available now wherever you listen. And we're seeing that right now with Mark Meadows. You know, at least, look, I said to Mark Meadows at the House Oversight Committee hearing, I know what you're doing. Look at what happened to me. If you keep this up, next, it'll, it could happen to you, and it will. All right? Maybe, maybe, not 100% sure, but maybe that's been sitting and rolling in the back of his head. Because Mark Meadows is another bullshit artist, another asshole that, you know, again, it's all for him. It was all about proximity to power and being able to, you know, wield an influence that he knew that he could never attain on his own. Very much like Mike Pence, the same thing, you know. What's your, what's your thoughts when it comes to this? Well, I'll tell you this, on, on Meadows... Um, you know, when it comes to Trump saying the weaponized, you know, Department of Justice, I could tell you from personal experience, Michael, uh, that Meadows had a an opposition research document compiled on me, Rick Wilson, Stuart Stevens and the Lincoln Project, because they were so angry at us at the right after the end of the 2020 election, one for doing the things we did to Trump, but two also for scaring off their lawyers from all these BS court cases. And he sent an email to Bill Barr right right after the election saying, here's the Lincoln Project info I mentioned, right? So like they, whatever Donald Trump wants to say about not weaponizing the DOJ, he absolutely has done it. Um, and that could be to people like you, it could be to people like us. Not could uh, be. Or it could be no, 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 Reed. Let me just right. kind of correct you on that. Not could be. And I beseech everyone, every one of my listeners, <laughs> go buy the book Revenge. You will not believe how Donald Trump weaponized the Department of Justice. It is all laid out in a, you know, in a understandable way, showing how Donald pulled, pulled apart. He figured out the way to rip apart our DOJ. Of course, the first way you do it is you put in a willing and complicit attorney general. And I'm talking about that fat right. fuck Bill Barr. All right scumbag motherfucker who's sitting now on CNN all the fucking time, whether it's with, you know, the Aaron Burnett's of the world or uh, Anderson Cooper, whoever the fuck he's sitting with there. And he's sitting there. Oh, I told Donald you lost. Fuck you, Bill Barr. 
All right. Bill Barr needs to come clean. Why they haven't dragged his ass in front of an oversight committee or something. Put him there and ask him directly like you're going to do or like they've done now to Mark Meadows. You put that fat ass in the seat and you say to him, spill the beans, scumbag, or you're going to prison. And rest assured, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to go. He thinks he's going to be invited back to polite society. Why? Because now... Now, all of a sudden, he wants to turn around and say, I told him you didn't win. I told him it wasn't a good deal. That's not enough. That's not enough. Why don't you turn around and talk about all of the other things that you did, including the shit that they did to me? An unconstitutional remand? Back to prison because I wouldn't waive my First Amendment constitutional right? Bill Barr doesn't deserve to come back to polite society until he comes clean. Well, you're not going to get any argument from me on that. Um, I mean, remember that Barr, you know, Trump saw the DOJ as his personal law firm, and Barr was happy to accommodate him in that, as if you recall, going back to the Mueller report, right, uh, that uh, that Barr basically put a cover letter on top of that saying, you know, Donald Trump didn't do anything wrong, and this whole thing was was BS, and he knew it wasn't. He knew that, that Trump had done all these things, and he was going to you know, clear the decks for the president to the extent he could. And then, and only then, once he realized, to your point, Michael, once Trump had lost his mind about having lost the 20 election, did Barr decide, you know what, I've got to get out of here. But again, that was to save his own skin. To your point, he wants to get invited back to the, you know, embassy of New Zealand Christmas party. He wants to be, you know, welcomed back with, you know, uh, open arms as a as a equity partner, whatever law firm he's in. He wants the TV show. He wants the Klieg lights. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, too much of Washington, D.C. and our media culture is willing to give it to him. Yeah, not when 11 days before you're leaving, right, he decides to finally break free. Too little, too mm. late, you know? I mean, we, see, we saw the exact same shit, you know, with a bunch of these SS officers during, you know, World War II. The same thing, you know, once they found out that the, you know, that the Allies, uh, you know, had broken through and that the war was going to be over, all of a sudden, now they're, now they're going to feed, right? They're going to feed the survivors, Right. Um, Oh, I'm not going to do uh, what I was supposed to do, what I was ordered to do, which is to exterminate all the camps. And so now all of a sudden I become a good guy. That's not how the Nuremberg trials uh, ended up holding. I can assure you on that one. But, Reed, let me ask you this, because yesterday you tweeted out and I quote, Donald Trump's credentials as a defendant are second to none. He's been in more than 4,000 legal disputes, something we spoke about already. I thought the exact same thing when I saw your tweet. I mean, the man is unquestionably a professional defendant. And to be fair, up until we'll call it the DA's case, our unsinkable Attorney General Tish James, uh, you know, what happened then with Alan Weisselberg, the Trump Organization, Donald has really been Teflon for decades. But I tell you, Teflon, even like with the coating on your nonstick pots and pans, that shit wears thin, right? Over time, it really does. It wears thin. My biggest concern and the big concern that I'm getting a lot on my social media platforms is that somehow, somehow, Donald will figure out a way to wiggle free. What's your thought on that? Look, I think it's a legitimate concern. 
um, the guy has gotten away with aberrant behavior for nearly 80 years. Um, to your point, you're, yes, Teflon does wear thin. It does get scratched. And as it gets scratched, it becomes toxic. We can, we can go on the nonstick skillet metaphor as long as you want. But I think the point is, is that, yeah, look, this is the beginning of the process, not the end. And none of us, none of us know how it's going to end up, right? Not one of us. All we know is that ultimately, you know, sometime between now and, you know, the Iowa caucuses, there'll be motions, you know, and, and all this. It very well could be that the judge says, you know, let's see how the outcome of the 24 election goes before we do this. Right. I mean, I don't know. And so, again, we no one should get over excited um, about, you know, Trump being indicted. As you know, Michael, an indictment is not a conviction. Uh, it's just shown, you know, prima facie evidence that there was likely a crime committed. Um, with only the prosecution presenting evidence, right? Um, and so now, you know, the the machinations begin, and it's a fight inside the courtroom. It's also a fight outside the courtroom. And my fear, Michael, in these next months, is that the fight is going to co- become not, you know, one ad, another ad, you know, dueling op-eds in the New York Times or whatever, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's going to be guys like we saw on January 6th who are going to now say, you know what, he's my president he never lost the 2020 election. They're trying to steal it from him again. And Trump will say that too, right? Trump will say that the only way he could lose the nomination or the presidency next year is if it's stolen from him, right? So we will start to see more and more of that. We will see more vitriolic language such as it is from him, right? He never really stops. It only ramps up. And here's the other part too. MAGA, the MAGA train, Michael, only runs in one direction and it's toward the darkness. It never runs back towards the light. So I think we should hang on. I think, as I said earlier, we're in a, we're in a moment of incredible political pressure in this country. Um, I don't think we could avoid it. I think trying to avoid it would have made it worse. Um, but I do think that, you know, I wasn't surprised by the timing of the indictment, not for any reason that I had, but other than the fact that looking at, you know, the, the, again, the Iowa caucuses are sometime probably in January or early February, they probably wanted an interval between the time that voters were actually going to churches to cast caucus votes or going to the polls in New Hampshire. Um, but I would also say this is that politically for him, like we've seen with a lot of MAGA Republicans, right, an indictment only increases their support. Um, and I would say that, you know, the the primary electorate, such as it is, is there's a lot of only Trump, only ever Trump voters. They will certainly solidify behind him. We've seen all of his opponents, you know, cowed once again, even, you know, tough guy Chris Christie or Mr. Mike Pence or tough guy DeSantis. Right. They've all gone, you know, soft on this where this was the time. This is the time when they should have been after him in mass and collectively. And of course, none of them will do it. Here's the biggest problem that, that I see for Donald mm-hmm. and why I use the term that the Teflon is wearing thin. It almost seems to me, and I've been saying this and I've had you on the show not too long ago and I have been yelling from the rooftops that we have the information already. Why the fuck hasn't this indictment already come down? So let's just take a closer look here for a quick second. One of the charges against Trump as it relates to the mishandling, I don't know why people call it the handling of the documents, it's the mishandling of the documents, is something called unauthorized retention of national security documents. Now, first and foremost, as you listen to Donald talking about, as he sits there and he talks about, um, you know, his rights, the 
Presidential Records Act and so on. He has no clue what he's talking about. I don't know who has briefed him on this. I don't know if they briefed him accurately because the statements that he's making are fundamentally flawed. But this specific thing that they are now that they filed the indictment is the unauthorized retention of national security documents. It is a crime. Period. End of story. It is a crime to retain national security documents without authorization and, more importantly here, to fail to deliver them to a government official entitled to take custody of them when requested. All right? Now, I was reading in the New York Times, and they actually um, you know, broke this all down. To win a conviction, prosecutors would have to show that Donald knew he was in possession of the documents. Well, we already have a recording to that, all right? He knew he did. In fact, let me move on then. You know, of course, this uh, this is post-leaving the White House because while president, he has the ability and the right to hold on to whatever the hell he wants. And then he fails to comply when the government asks him to return them as well as subpoenaed him for them, all right? This is a real problem for him. He can no longer deny that he knew he had them because he made the statement even during that CNN town, I'm sorry, that Fox News town hall with Sean Hannity. Sean gave him a fucking meatball. He threw him a goddamn softball and Trump couldn't even take that to town. He's really stupid. No, don't Sean, Sean. I can do it. I'm allowed to have them. All right, he goes, they're, they're mine. And he's like, but yeah, but you wouldn't take them, Donald, would you? I mean, I know you. It's like, you know, what else could he have done other than slap him and say, just say yes, you fucking moron. All right, that's really what he needed to do. But instead, no, I've, Sean, I have the absolute right to have them. All right, so now he can't deny any longer. Then you have the recording of him actually talking about a document, which is of national security import. And I think, I think that there's more cases that are going to come out of this, for example, against Jared Kushner. Now, you want to talk about somebody that should have been charged under the Espionage Act? It should be Jared Kushner, because there's no doubt in my mind that these documents, and I've said this now going back literally since the day that they raided, stop worrying about what you found. You need to worry about what you didn't find. You need to now figure out a, a, a map, and we'll call it, like, where's Waldo? Where did Donald Trump go? Track every single location that he went. And that's not hard to do because Secret Service keeps a log on where they go. And, you know, and so, but then the government is going to have to spend some real time and some real money trying to figure out who he met with. And then you go ahead and you use the power of the current administration to elicit communications that took place between Donald and whoever. So, for example, just think about, we all know, and this has been written about ad nauseum, that Saudi Arabia has been afraid of Iran for a very long time. That the Iranians were going to come in, take their oil, kill the entire royal family of Saudi Arabia, all of a sudden now there's documents, top secret documents about plans to invade or attack 
Iran, and you really don't think that that information was somehow transmitted via Kushner to Mohammed bin Salman? You really don't think that there's a reason why Mohammed bin Salman forced the Saudi Investment Authority to give an incompetent, incompetent, unqualified asshole two plus billion dollars, right, for a fund when the guy historically could be the single worst real estate guy in the city's history, in New York City's history, going back to 666 Fifth Avenue? You really don't think there's a connection here? No, there absolutely, I know, look, I think there absolutely is. And I, I think that Kushner, I think, is probably the fulcrum around which a lot of this spins. Um, you're right. He's sort of the Kendall Roy of his family, right? He's incompetent. He's a dilettante. Um, he's continually been put in places because of his father's money or influence or his father-in-law's uh, influence, obviously, the White House. I mean, who's to say, Michael, that Kushner didn't either A, put you know a bunch of flash drives into his computer and suck everything off and put them in his pocket and walk out the door, or hell, just put the whole damn computer in a box and carry it out or have somebody else carry it out. Like, we don't know. Because the whole place, while they were there, was so chaotic and so corrupt that it could have been anything. And, you know, I, I wrote about this a little bit yesterday, Michael. I mean, who, aside from MAGA, who else wants Donald Trump back? The Russians, the Chinese, the Saudis, the Iranians, the North Koreans, the Emiratis, right? They all want him back. Do they want him back because they want what's best for America? No, they want him back because they know he's 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 for sale. One, two, he's relatively speaking incompetent as a president and as someone who governs. And three, he's totally transactional. He doesn't care. Right? He doesn't care what any of these people do. He just he just, you know, wished, you know, uh, Kim Il, you know, Kim Jong Il like a happy birthday or something, right? This is a bad guy who loves other bad guys. And so you're right. Look, I mean, I think there's a lot of follow the money here. And and I think between the, you know, the collective resources of the Justice Department, the FBI, the Treasury Department, right? It's going to be hard, I think, for for someone like a Jared Kushner to ultimately come away clean on this because nobody believes it in the first place. But I think you're absolutely right. And look, it goes to golf, right? I mean, it goes right. to everything there. It's all one big web of ugly deceitfulness, but all of it ultimately, Michael, is antithetical to the idea of patriotism and is bad for the country. Yeah. Look, one of the things that I have constantly said, and um, I had Malcolm Nance on the show several times, mm -hmm. they classify Donald Trump in terms of the way that he interacts with these foreign um, you know, despots as a useful idiot. That's what he is. Vladimir Putin desperately wants Donald because he knows it's very easy to control him. You know, like a donkey, instead of putting a carrot in front of its face, just hang a $100 bill. And Donald's running, and he's trying to get a hold of it. And, you know, now put $100 million there. You're joking? I mean, this guy, <laughs> you, you can get him to do anything for money. But another thing that they are looking at is obstruction as part of these charges. Obstruction, right, is a crime, and it's a crime to conceal records to obstruct an official effort. The prosecutors here would need to show several things, including that Trump knew that he still had the files, which, of course, again, with that recording, none of this shit helps him, as well as Mark Meadows' testimony that was the subject of the efforts by the National Archives and the Records Administration to take custody 
of those presidential records. He had lawyers signing affidavits that after a thorough inspection of the property, that there were no more records after they returned like um, 15 boxes, right? Now, all of a sudden, he lies. That's, again, a real problem. I'll tell you one last thing that's a real problem for you and for I and for this country and possibly even the world. There were many files that were marked top secret that there was no documents in it. Where are those documents? On top of that, some of the other ones allegedly contained photocopies. Where are the originals? Right? How many of these documents were, photo, were photocopied? How many of these documents did they just take a, a picture of them on their, on their cell phone using the scan app? It's not like it'll show up. Oh, this, this, this document was scanned, you know, 10 times. Who knows when Jared went to Riyadh on that visit to Mohammed bin Salman that was complete out of the blue. How do you know what was on his cell phone? Because it's not as if he and Ivanka and so many others weren't warned that they cannot use private cell phones and emails and so on, but yet they did, even after, of course, attacking Hillary Clinton for the usage of a private email and a private server. They did the exact same thing. Identical. Look, if you don't think that every foreign, every adversarial foreign intelligence service doesn't have a microphone planted outside Mar-a-Lago or frankly planted inside Mar-a-Lago, right? Got another right. thing coming. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is the whole point too, Michael. And this goes back to whether or not it's Trump, you know, talking about this stuff and telling people move this, move that, making his lawyer sign things that he knows aren't true. Again, household staff, you know, look, Secret Service agents, his detail may be partial to him, but they're still federal officers, right? There might have been some people in that detail who said, you know what, can't do this, can't do this, can't have this. So, you know, it's not just his word versus Jack Smith's. Again, as we talked about at the top of the show, the federal government isn't going to indict somebody, right, unless they think they've got him dead to rights or they can make them turn and admit to something, right? Now, the, will they offer Trump a deal? Like, I don't know. Maybe they do so he can say no to it, right? But um, I would say that, yeah, they're, the, the people we don't know who had access or awareness of that stuff, you know, will be, I think, fascinating to watch in the coming days, weeks, and months, uh, Michael, because now, you know, a lot of those people, too, you know, were trying to do the right thing, I think, by their conscience, by their morality, and by the country, and they will now need protection. Right. They will need protection. Their identities will need protection because when and if their names get out, right, those people will be in real danger. As we saw with the women who were working, uh, you know, in in Atlanta counting ballots or, um, you know, the gentleman in Philadelphia who uh, refused to, you know, recount ballots on Trump's behalf or Brad Raffensperger also in Georgia. Right. Like these the people that follow Trump are bad people and they want him back in power. And I think that's all this comes down to is how can they make sure he returns to the White House so that he never, frankly, has to leave again? Look, I understand better than almost anybody what happens when Donald Trump, uh, you know, seeks his uh, revenge on you and you are the, you know, the ire of his, you know, of his soul. 
I know what it's I know what it's like and I know what it's like to have these maggots, you know, um, attacking you, whether it's on social media or elsewhere. My question to you is, what do you think that Donald's attack plan will be against the prosecutors, against Jack Smith, the Justice Department, not just using his untruth social platform and his, uh, you know, and his uh, his calling out to his supporters, but also, as you appropriately put it before, using this super PAC that he's raised like $200 million to start running ads. I mean, look at some of the ads that he's running. By the way, some of them are great. I got to give his people credit. You got to give credit where credit is due. Some of the ads that he's running against DeSantis, they're, they're fucking hysterical and they're brilliant. And they make you look at DeSantis like the asshole that he is too. So using the money that he's obtaining right after the indictment or right after he put out the indictment, he was already fundraising off of this. So how do you think he's going to use that money from the PAC um, as well as his own social media platform to go after the prosecutor's justice department, Jack Smith and others? Well, let, let me let me go back to one thing you said about the ads is, a, is is one of the leaders of a group who who is known for their ads. The guy that makes those ads for Trump is a guy named Chris Lasavita. Um, he's a longtime Republican consultant. And one thing we should all remember is Chris is the swift boat guy, Michael. He's the guy who single handedly derailed John Kerry's presidential campaign in 2004 with one ad on which he spent less than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to put on the air. Think about that. Right. So this is a guy who knows how to do things creatively, who knows how to make things funny, who knows how to reduce his opponents. The other part, too, I think, is it's not just ads and it's not just truth social. Remember that Trump is not just the leader of the Republican Party. He's the leader of an authoritarian movement. And so now every or and a cult, there is definitely cultish aspects. So whether or not it's Fox or OANN or Newsmax or all of the front groups that that are you know controlled and funded by these people, right? The Marjorie Taylor Greens, Matt Gates, Jim Jordans, every part of the movement now that Trump is in control of will spend all day, every day attacking Jack Smith, attacking the DOJ, attacking the FBI, calling it the deep state, reducing in the minds of his supporters the legitimacy of all of these institutions. Right, which they've already been doing and they've always done, but will will ramp into overdrive, right? And and you will see more people on the streets. God knows what the you know the courthouse in Miami will look like next week, but it'll be a, a zoo, right? An absolute zoo. Not um, if it, not I think if it's anything. See- not if it's anything like the indictment at New York. Not if it's anything like that. Well, there was nobody there. Zero. Well, I mean, there was like. 50 people that showed up. There was more press there than there were supporters for Trump. Right. And and that might be true. I think this is different. I think this is different. One, because it is Florida. So you'll have every Florida man um, who can get on, you know, I-95 South and get somewhere into Miami-Dade County, um, you know, uh, out there. You'll see lots of flags. I'm afraid you're going to see lots of guns, right? And so what you will also see is not only the the rhetorical use of things, but you will also see images of people who appear ready to do violence on Trump's behalf. And that might sound hyperbolic, Michael, but for the fact that they've already done it, right? This isn't the first time, 
they right. will do it again. And that's my biggest fear is that there are going to be a lot of otherwise innocent people who are just trying to go about their lives who are going to get caught in the middle of this. And here's what we always need to know about Trump and all of his minions. They don't care about any of us. It's not about us, as you know better than anybody. It's always been about him. And if people have to get squashed to ensure his safety, his salvation, his acquittal, whatever the case it might be, that's what they'll do. Yeah, well, what sucks for me is Tuesday, the day that he is due to go downtown there in Miami, we were actually supposed to have him for a deposition. That's the day that we had noticed on that $500 million frivolous lawsuit. So my thought was, and I put it out in the tweet, maybe because he's going to be downtown anyway, so maybe before his indictment, he wants to sit for the deposition at my attorney's office in Miami or maybe even after. I know it's three o'clock, but the whole indictment process for him, let's just say it's an hour or two at five. Maybe we could get him for a couple of hours, you know, afterwards. I just I don't know whether he's going to be up to it. So <laughs> chances are right. we're not going to get that deposition. But I did want to ask right. you then this, Reed. Because moments after Trump made the statement about his indictment, Kevin McCarthy then tweeted out, and I'm going to quote, Today is indeed a dark day for the United States of America. It is unconscionable for a president to indict the leading candidate opposing him. Joe Biden kept classified documents for decades. I and every American who believe in the rule of law stand with President Trump against this grave injustice. House Republicans will hold this brazen weaponization of power accountable. Do me a big favor. Nobody does it like you, Reed. Unpack this bullshit for me, for my listeners. I mean, you know, what this says to you about the coming months of this trial, you know, from the GOP's perspective. Um, a couple of things. One is, um, you know, McCarthy's a bigger projector than you'd find in an IMAX theater, right? Yeah. Uh, remember that he is the one who, on January 6th, 2021, uh, you know, talked about what a dark day that was. In the aftermath of those, remember that we, we heard recorded phone calls of him saying, I may have to go down there and tell him he has to resign. Um, you know, that we know he's responsible for this, right? He went on Fox News to say, I need him to stop. Then he goes to Mar-a-Lago weeks later and absolves Trump of responsibility. Trump, in turn, right, returned the favor. Kevin McCarthy is now Speaker of the House, really Speaker in name only. But as we will see now, Michael, here's where all of this will ultimately downstream affect the American people badly, which is McCarthy got a deal done a couple of weeks ago with the president on the debt ceiling. In the coming months, the, the government has to decide how it's going to spend its money for the next year. And just go with me here. November, uh, September 30th is the end of the federal fiscal year. The Republican Party will shut down the government. The Republican Party will say, we're not doing any spending deals, right? We're not doing anything unless we get these massive cuts, cuts that nobody really wants. And you know who will suffer? Veterans, seniors, people on Social Security, people on Medicare. Why? Because they want to show that they're in charge, right? The the crazies, the the Taliban 20, as they even like to call themselves, of Matt Gates and Gosar and all these idiots, right? Want to show that they're really in charge. So they will lock up everything. The histrionics and hysterics coming out of a dais 
in a committee room over the course of the next year will be something along the lines of, you know, the screeching of Goering, right? Or Goebbels at a, at a podium, right? It will be, yep. I don't want to say unbelievable, but it will be second to none because that's what Trump expects from them. That's what they're willing to give him. And to your point, again, follow the money, right? The Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, she doesn't raise money from millionaires and billionaires. They want nothing to do with her. But you know what she does? She raises millions and millions of dollars from small contributors, three bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks at a time. And they will suck in as much of that money as they possibly can. And here's the other part too. Official Republican Washington, you know, Mitch McConnell, John Cornyn, John Thune, all the Senate quote unquote normals will say what they can. But at the end of the day, we know what they'll ultimately do, which is if they believe that there is political gain to be had by impugning Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice, President Biden, the FBI or whatever in the 2024 elections, they will do all of it. There is no line for these people, Michael. They have made a deal with the devil and the devil is asking for his due. And the devil seems to be getting it. When this indictment ultimately goes to trial, and I, you know what? Let me broaden that. Not just this indictment, right? Um, let's not forget we have a trial coming up in the indictment by the District Attorney of New York, Alvin Bragg's case, coming up soon. We also have the civil case with the, DA, with the AG here in New York. My fear is that, okay, the AG's case is civil, not criminal, but let's then use Alvin Bragg or let's use this specific case. If, in fact, he's found guilty and there's a possibility that Trump could go to prison, my true worry is that desperate Donald will incite his MAGA brown shirts towards another insurrection, another January 6th event. What's your opinion on that? You agree? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Again, once we know that he was willing to sick his supporters on the Congress of the United States, on the Capitol of the United States, that if they had found Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, Nancy Pelosi, Mike Pence, they would have strung those people up. They would have killed those people. They were in a rage, and it was a rage specifically incited by him and accommodated by the likes of Mike Lee from Utah, Kevin McCarthy, all of the people around him who knew better. Mark Meadows, we know from testimony, Mark Meadows sat there in the West Wing on January 6th and let it happen. He sat there in a daze. He didn't go to the Oval Office and say, you must stop this, right? But it even goes back before that. On election night 2020, remember that Donald Trump was going to lose the election. It was only a matter of time. He went to the East Room in the middle of the night and said, frankly, we did win this election. There is no line for this. And here's the other part, too. And this comes from Mary Trump, right? His niece, who's written a couple of books on him. So long as Donald Trump believes that his body, his physical presence is safe, and he has men and women dedicated to taking a bullet for him, he will do whatever it is he thinks he, it takes because he will not be worried for his own safety. And so do I believe that inciting violence and not you know, in the coded language or bull, you know, or dog whistle, but actual violence, I think it is absolutely possible because we should not put anything past this guy. And I hate to be someone who might be considered hysterical, Michael. I don't want to be considered that, 
right? But we shouldn't put anything by beyond this guy. And here's what I would say to all of your listeners and all of our friends in politics and the media. Wake up. Wake up. You know, when I was watching the January 6th insurrection, and I immediately, of course, get phone calls from various reporters. Can you come on, whether it's CNN, MSNBC, whatever it might be. And you start getting all the phone calls from the journalists asking you, what do you think Donald is thinking? And again, I spent more time with him than virtually anyone for over a decade. And I turned around and said, he's elated right now. Donald Trump is elated because these people are attacking the Capitol. They're smashing shit. They're breaking windows. They're beating up on police officers, right? They want, they built that gallow to hang Mike Pence. They want to kill right. Nancy Pelosi, all in whose name? The name of the guy that all of these people that they're wearing his ugly red MAGA hats. They're waving around those massive Trump 2020 flags, MAGA flags. They're wearing his paraphernalia. This is his army. He gets mm -hmm. excited from it. It's like a sexual high for him that he has this group that is so brainwashed that he says, sick them, like, like a bunch of dogs, right? Sick, right? And they they're off, they're running, they're biting, they're looking to do, you know, to do damage. And that's what he likes. That he is not a, physically, he's not a tough guy. This is a guy who's never had a physical fight in his entire life, ever. Not as a kid, not as an adult, never. And so these right. people doing this for him is an emotional high for him like you can't imagine. My big fear, my big fear is when he realizes that his ass is cooked, he will do and he will incite shit that nobody has ever seen before. And my fear, and I, and I quelled that fear for a lot of people when it came to the indictment here in New York, because our New York Police Department, they're, they're like an army. I mean, they are right. truly, in this country at least, they are the best of the best. We have parades right. every week. We have dignitaries. We they have know hunger. They right. know exactly how to do it. They're better than most armies. I don't right. know how Miami is, all right? right? And my big fear is that he knows what he's doing, and he knows how to blow that dog whistle so that only his maggot morons end up hearing what the sound is, and it's like a call to action. Which, so let me ask this, because yesterday you wrote something, and again, I'm going to quote, this sure. may be the only opportunity the rest of the field has to break with Trump. Will the always Trump wing line, um, will, will, the, will the always Trump wing line up behind him? Yes. Will others? If given no other choice, Trump fears incarceration. Christie, Pence, and DeSantis should be all over Trump and his people. How hard do you think that they'll actually go after Trump at this point? What do you think that they'll do? And what do you think that they can say? I mean, Chris Christie is different, certainly, than DeSantis or Pence. But what do you think that they can say that will actually do something to break that bond that, or that stronghold that he has over these people? Well, uh, one is I think they had their opportunity yesterday and last night, and they didn't take it. And so I think we know, ultimately, that they won't. Um, which is too bad because for all three of these guys, this is a one-way trip, right? Politically, none of them are ever coming back from it. I think Christie always knew that. Pence probably somewhere in his brain knows that. DeSantis doesn't know it because he's too arrogant. Um, 
but the point was, and, and we learned this, Michael, at the Lincoln Project, is if you want to beat Trump or start to beat him, you have to stay in his face all day, every day. And if there's one group of people who he, you know, look, we know he hates DeSantis, right? We know he hates Pence. We know he probably hates Christie now, right? These are the people who could make him angry and to drive him to a place that was so insane that, okay, maybe maybe the always Trump people still stick around with him. And it, it very well could be that that's enough to win a primary. But there's enough other people who go, oh, man, you know, okay, it's enough already. That's, that's you know, I, I couldn't find the line before. Now I can find it. But the problem is they'd all have to do it. They'd all have to do it together at once and continuously. And I don't think they're going to do it. I think that they've all decided that, um, you know, look, I mean, you'd think Christie, at least, you know, he went after Jared and Ivanka the other night. He went after Trump the other night. The guy's a former U.S. attorney. If anybody was going to do it, be him. And even he took a pass on it. So, you know, I, look, these guys, they all they all lack what it takes. A, to be president, but certainly uh, B, to beat Trump. Right. You got to you've got to you've got to understand the kind of monster you're fighting, which, you know, Michael. Uh, and I don't either they know it and they're afraid of it or they don't know it and they're afraid of it. Uh, either way, it's definitely not good. So look, Reed, right. you know, as we um, as we come to the, you know, the hour and the hour goes by quick mm. when you're I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm speechless, to be honest. With you. you know, there's I'm speechless because you brought something up, which really has been on my mind for a long time. And. We talk about what if they crash the economy with the debt ceiling in September and the whole nine yards. Mm. Who are the ones that suffer? Well, for certain, the people who should not be suffering are the, the elderly who use it for, right, whether it's Medicare, Medicaid, veterans, 100%. I mean, whatever happened to, you know, to the VA uh, in terms of taking care of the people who fought for this country, who fight for this country, right, who have sacrificed so much for this country, they're going to be the ones that suffer. And yet, the thing that drives me crazy, all of these attacks that I receive as a result of Trump's dog whistle blowing and so on, so many of them will make say, veteran. Now, I don't believe that any of them are even real, but it's interesting that every single one of them, almost every single one of them, are veteran. And they say Air Force, they say Army, you know, they say, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, Vietnam uh, veteran, and they're the ones that are constantly attacking you on social media. Why? Why? Why are they the ones, why should any veteran ever look at Donald Trump other than as private bone spur, right, who refused to fight for this country, let them do it, and is still screwing them up because they will have no money, right, in order to live. They'll have no services in order to, you know, to deal with their day-to-day -day issues simply because of Donald um, well, I would say this is that the va I would uh, the vast majority of veterans probably do not feel that way. Um, but there is and, and there have been plenty of studies that show that there are uh, there is a number of folks who come back from the military. Right. Well, let's be clear. The military has never been a progressive organization. 
right? Even Democrats who, you know, even even members of the military who are Democrats will tell you, you know, this is this is not a, a flaming progressive organization. By definition, the military is a conservative body, right? It's built on authority. It's built on discipline. It's built on the idea that if somebody is above you on the chain of command and gives you a legal order, you do it, right? Um, but there's also a lot of folks who come home from combat, right? Who are lost, right? We do a terrible job taking care of our veterans, right? The suicide rate is outrageous and unconscionable. But the people in the MAGA movement and the white nationalist violent movement prey on these folks, right? They go looking for them. They give them a place. They say, you're not alone, right? It is, it, it is absolutely documented that this is how they do it. They suck them into this world, right? Because they know they're vulnerable, but also because they know they have some sort of training in, you know, with mil the military or weapons or whatever the case might be. So they understand. Um, and also, look, in the United States, Americans have great reverence for our military. Right. So as it also should. gives this as we should. So it also gives this kind of movement a, a veneer of of legitimacy. Right. So like one thing we should always underestimate, we should never underestimate, Michael, is that Trump may be an intellectual dwarf. Right. But the people around him, the people that make this movement go, the financiers, the propagandists, they know exactly what they're doing. Right. They know exactly what they're doing. We cannot and should not and must not underestimate them. Yeah. So, look, final question is the hour is coming to an end. Public opinion polls or polling data, however you want to describe it, over the course of the last, say, 24 hours, especially since the indictment, Tell you, Trump's favorability ratings are not where I would think they are. And what I found interesting is that there was a poll that just came out as well on this. 63% of Americans, 63, and that's Republican and Democrat, called taking highly classified documents from the White House and obstructing the efforts to retrieve them, consider it to be a serious crime. However, when it comes to Donald Trump, Many of those are willing to give him some sort of a pass. Why? Why? Because your ass would be locked up in three seconds the same way they did it to reality winner. Right. Well, I would say this is that, you know, with uh, this and look, you know, you mentioned Putin or uh, Kim Jong-il or, or uh, Erdogan in Turkey, right? Like the problem with people like Trump is that you got to wake up every day and wonder what they're worried about, what they're mad about. Right. And, and I think there's a lot of exhaustion with Trump across the, across the spectrum, maybe not again with the hard 35% of the Republican party that will never leave him. Um, but I, I think that there's a lot of Americans who are like, yeah, he did it. He probably did it. And it really doesn't surprise me. Right. Um, because he's been getting away. We talked about it at the beginning, like he's been getting away with this for decades. So, do we believe he stole it? Yes. He did. He, in fact, as you said, he admitted he had the stuff and he was allowed to take it. So why did they give him a pass on it? Because there's a part two is like, does it really matter? Well, yeah, it really matters. Um, well, 63% you know, are saying that it's a serious crime. But amongst Republicans, 43% of them said that their view didn't change of Trump. 22% said the allegations made them feel more negative about him. While 27%, 27% of all Republicans said it made them feel more positive about him. Right. Well, again, the 27% are the, they're locked in, right? They're not going anywhere. Um, and the 24% who think less of him, again, remember, Michael, is that 
I call this the discount rate in politics, right? It's the di- it's the dis- it's the distance between somebody's public persona and what the public finds out about them as they go through a public life, right? Donald Trump has been an asshole for 80 years. He's been an awful person for 80 years. He's talked about womanizing and everything else for as long as he's been a public figure. His discount rate is enormous because nobody expects better of him, right? Hmm. And that I know is counterintuitive, but that's why he gets away with it. So as you see his opponents, let's say it's Ron DeSantis, right? Ron, there, somebody's got an opposition research file on Ron DeSantis, right? And it's probably bigger every day. And my guess is, as you fi- as as voters, Republican primary voters, find out more and more about Ron DeSantis, whatever bad thing he might have done or they cook up, he will suffer for that in the polls because you know what? Nobody knows that much about him outside the state of Florida and even inside the state of Florida because he's so insular, they don't know. So Trump gets away with it because no one expects better of him, if that makes sense. And I know it's counterintuitive. But it it sucks. Well, unfortunately, it does make too much sense. Regaling, you're the man. Appreciate you. Appreciate Lincoln Project. Appreciate all you're doing. Um, Going to have to have you back because this is not stopping. So I thank you, my brother. Enjoy and um, stay in touch. Thanks, Michael. See you soon, pal. And now for today's mea culpa. With Donald Trump's indictment, we will once again be entering into perilous partisan waters. The politicization of his indictment by MAGA supporters and GOP sycophants will serve only one person. And we all know who that is. It's Donald J. Trump. Once again, he will use this moment to divide and inflame rather than use this indictment as a moment to move past Donald Trump. The GOP will cling to the last remnants of the MAGA base as a sign that they need to stand and fight for him. What that means is that we'll get more bullshit about the DOJ being weaponized against Trump and that he's some kind of a political prisoner. I mean, all this does is make a martyr out of Trump and add fuel to the fire for the more extremist elements lurking in the shadows. Those are the people I really fear. If Trump wouldn't hand over power peacefully, well, what do you think's gonna happen now if he's found guilty and then is sent to go to prison? I mean, what forces of darkness and violence will he unleash to prevent that from happening? This early conditioning by Trump and his team to the base saying it's election interference, I mean, it is a signal for the crazies to mobilize. If this is messaging now, well, what do you think happens in three months, in six months, or a year from now? We all should be prepared for darker times to come. Nonetheless, we can't let it weaken our resolve for this man to finally face accountability. What's important is that we put Trump in prison once and for all. And as always, thanks for listening. Maya Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. 
Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Thank <laughs> you.